Welcome to San Diego Magazine's Happy Half Hour. This is our fun food and drink focused podcast, and we are sponsored this week by the San Diego Symphony. With an outstanding wine list and local beers, Bayside Summer Nights promises a concert experience you'll savor all summer. Concerts coming up include Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, shown on the big screen. Yes. With San Diego Symphony performing the score live on Thursday night jazz. Tickets are available at sandiegosymphony.org. Thanks so much for your sponsorship. I'm Aaron Chamber-Smith with San Diego Magazine. I'm joined by Tro- Troy Johnson, our co-host. I know. Food I, critic. I, I'm really excited. Has anybody read the, the Harry Potter books? Because every single person that I know that is educated and well-read said that, says they are some of the best literature that's ever been put down. I have yet to read them, but I've I have never. a six-year-old who is starting to show interest. So I think I might read them via him. Mm-hmm. I, him? I'll stick to the movies, I think. I've never seen the movies or read the book. Oh, oh come on. Yeah. Well, now you're going to go see it live at the Symphony. Ratings. Sure, I think I'll go see it at the Symphony. This. I think a lot of people <laughs> listening are going to think we're dumb. Um, <laughs> this is not a literary podcast. Um, we, we talk about food and uh, drinks and beer and wine in San Diego. That's Archana Naram that you heard over there. She's a food editor at the magazine and helps produce this podcast. We have David Martin, as always, over here behind the computer and the wires and the red box. Call David if you'd like to read. If you'd like us to read your sponsor message at the top of the show, David's like our silent to, majority. Yes, if you'd <laughs> like us to come to your to your place of business or your restaurant, we can go mobile. Um, and David Martin is the guy to get in touch with at San Diego Magazine if you'd like to do that. We're thrilled. We have a very exciting show today and a very special guest coming up. We have Claudette Zapeta Wilkins. Thank you for joining us. She is the executive chef and partner at El Hardin, one of the most exciting new restaurants that has just opened in the city. So we're excited to hear her story and talk with you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, and in case you guys haven't heard our show before we always start with hot plates news about the restaurant scene in san diego openings closings that kind of thing big one big one very big, exciting yeah, very exciting um, well not very exciting but just a couple big pieces mm-hmm. of news that we're going to go <laughs> not over exciting at all. The, the first one's not exciting <laughs> well i just mean not necessarily positive um <laughs> but we we'll talk with our special guest and then we always talk about hot topics. grandma died aaron's like <laughs> no. that's so exciting well i mean vegans are throwing blood on butcher shops there's a lot there's a lot in this episode um <laughs> that's coming up we always end with small bites our own personal recommendations of what we've been eating and drinking lately so archie take it away with hot plates what is new or gone there's new stuff downtown nomad donuts has opened another location you probably know their north park location they're big on those donuts with sort of unusual non-traditional toppings um and flavors and so they've opened actually very close to our office um on david remind me b street yep yep b street um they're open every day 7 a.m to 2 p.m oh yeah i have it here in my notes 7th and broadway look at that i think our building bought that building our building people bought that building Maybe There's a lot of buildings about buying. Same Gloria. ownership. Yes. Our, our building in that building. Yeah. And it's sort of like a, a, a very glossy, glamorous kiosk in this office lobby. And they do Sight Glass Coffee, which is from San Francisco. Of course, Nomad Donuts and Montreal-style bagels, which, if you don't know, are wood-fired bagels. Mm-hmm. Is this in the, the, what's the fancy restaurant on the top? Is it that building? University yeah. Club building? Or is it no. the Ida B's building? Yeah, the Ida B, formerly Ida B's, <gasps> like a little sandwichy shop that was in the lobby. That's gone? That's gone, and Nomad is now here. Now, I love, now, so here's what I love about Nomad. I mean, Nomad, A, um, they've done a really good job with like their designer donuts, and, and they're, but I love that they brought Antonio Frischa. Um, Antonio Frischa has been a well loved chef in San, San Diego, and now he's basically helping small restaurants like these guys open up different, find more capital, you know, develop their business, everything else. And they're going to start going towards like um, corporate offices and lunch and meetings because PowerPoint presentations suck. <laughs> but PowerPoint presentations with donuts don't. 
All right. And it's true. The office, the office deli situation downtown could use an upgrade. Exactly. And we're in a weird pocket where we're not Gaslamp and we're not East Village. We're sort of this weird in between. Like, thank God for Bega. I love Bega. I know a lot of people in our office do. Bega's so good. So good. But there aren't a lot of options in our little neck of the woods. Mm -mm. So I'll take coffee and I'll take donuts and more carbs. Claudette, you used to work here when you were like 15 years old. I was just thinking. I used to get shitty Chinese food (laughs) off of (laughs) (laughs) it during lunch. Well, you're in San Diego. Shitty Chinese food is everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, wait. wait, Did we skip? skip? Aaron, did that make you uncomfortable? The look on your face. You're like, "Mm." I don't know. Um, Chinese food is the one really big hole in San Diego. Absolutely. You You gotta go south of the border. South of the border. Exactly. (laughs) Tijuana. There's way better Chinese food than San Diego we does. Have a, we have to have a whole episode about that. that I know. Make, I, things like that bug me. I know. Thai food is great. Vietnamese food is great. You know, Korean food, good. Korean food. We have some really good ones over right. on Convoy. But Chinese, we have not been... For whatever reason, the recipes fall apart somewhere in transit. Maybe they just drop out of the plane with That's the... That's odd. You know, I don't know. Okay, Custom we got to get into that. But <laughs> did we skip over Cafe Chloe? I thought we decided we're oh, not I'm skipping. S- I'm sorry. We're skipping. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're not skipping it because this we didn't give it the proper eulogy that it deserved because we were doing well, other things. We were navel gazing, basically. We were turning 100. We had 100th <laughs> we, episode. We were we busy talked being about ourselves for two weeks. Ourselves, <laughs> and so in that time, Cafe Chloe closed. Troy wrote a really nice post online. If you haven't read it, I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, What's, what's your obit for I mean, it, it was just, I mean, it was one of, the, one of the most special places in San Diego because it took over a really downtrodden part of, of downtown. East Village, when they, they opened it up nine years ago, I mean, East Village was a great place to get mugged. You know, I mean, there wasn't <laughs> anybody who was, was opening up businesses here. It was like 14 here. years ago. 14 years oh, ago. Oh, sorry, 14. I, I did a stage there 14 yeah. years ago with Katie. You staged there 14 yeah. years ago? This is Claudette speaking, by the way. Sorry. Yes, yeah. it's me. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what, what was your take of that restaurant? It was amazing what they could do with that space because mm-hmm. it was screwed from the get-go. I mean, that, it's a downtown apartment that was converted into a restaurant. So you had to prep on a back line that was, um, I guess, seemingly their kitchen. And then you had to cook in the front, which was like their living room, like mm-hmm. if that was where an apartment was. Uh, but yeah, Katie worked wonders when she was there. Oh, sure. Katie worked wonders. So Katie was the old chef that was there for years and years and years. Like you know, ten and years. Or ten something years. And, mm-hmm. and Allison and John, you know, just had a sense of style that they brought to San Diego that we hadn't seen in a long time. And, you know, obviously that's been that torch has been carried by Consortium Holdings with Ironside and, and Born and Raised and everything else. But they had they nailed that bistro feel mm-hmm. it felt homey it felt cozy i felt 400 percent more sexy whenever i walked <laughs> through the door i'm like oh my god it's like it's like you're automatically getting photoshopped when you walked in there mm-hmm. and they took a risk and they really helped be a beacon in that part of downtown they were the canary in the coal mine and the truth of the matter is is there was a lot of problems with that space that the room wasn't enough they couldn't get a liquor license because when they went in there it was such a shitty part of town that they were like no you're not going to serve, serve booze in this part of town because riots will happen you know and well, we don't know that for a fact but in general that's hard yeah. to get liquor licenses. yeah I mean well it, it, that's what Allison yes. told me when I asked her about the exit she said look we couldn't get a liquor license because it was technically like a um, high crime rate part okay. of town okay. mm-hmm. you know so that's what they, that's why they wouldn't let them have they don't want to uh, add fuel to that fire exactly right. they wouldn't let them have hard alcohol without hard alcohol a mom and pop restaurant like that in a sm- small little space you almost can't exist especially with the minimum wage going up and you not have having any tip credit as a restaurateur. I mean, again, I'm not against minimum wage. I want everybody to make minimum wage, but I do think the tips should be taken into consideration. And I think that Cafe Chloe is going to be the, one of the first of the dominoes to fall in mom and pop situations like that, unless you have booze. Yeah. And what about Menu? So now it's only events. That's that cute Men- cafe sort of around the corner that they 
open last year sometime. They just make pretty things. Oh, they're God, like Brangelina. <laughs> they're pretty, but they're really tiny. I know, they are tiny. But that's part of the charm, no, I too. Know. I, I mean, every time we wrote a, a, a roundup of the best tiny restaurants or the best restaurants mm-hmm. to go to where the owners are there every night, it was on all those kinds of places, but... The best, uh, best place to like work on your yoga poses while you're trying to fit into a table to eat. You know, like <laughs> well, and it just, I feel like it resisted change and it resisted trends. It was sort of like mm-hmm. a Jane's or a Bencoto where it was fresh and new and not like the old guard of San Diego, but they weren't trying no. to be trendy. They didn't change all the time and change the menu and, and go with what was trendy. They just they did something very, very cool for what it was mm-hmm. and then didn't mess with it. The good news, is, I think, is that they're going to be better off without Chloe. I mean, even though I love that restaurant, it was a, a, an icon in San Diego. Everybody loved it. I think that they couldn't make enough money there because they didn't have the booze. They didn't have the space. And what they're going to do at Liberty Station, they're also also talking about opening up a big, big new project um, that will probably be server, not less, but less <laughs> servers. You know, that's the problem. Servers, uh, the job of a server is going out. You know, I mean, small restaurateurs are just kind of like, I mean, obviously not going out. You have some at your restaurant. Yeah. You know. Bu- a bunch. Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> exactly. But not you're, you're knowing the cost. You yeah, know? absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, it's I think as a restaurateur, you're trying to balance the, the books and everything else. You're like, shit, I can't hire another person. I got to do it myself. I got to let them like, you know, pick something up over there. You makes know. me worried about the Janes and the mm-hmm. Starlights and the places like that. It does. Exactly. I hope it's not the first of those places to not be able to handle it. it the next time that the minimum wage goes up, I will, I'll be very interested to see if we see a, a series of closings of those kinds of restaurants yeah. that don't have the built-in booze. They don't have everything else. The yeah, cushions. and they're not getting bigger and adding tables and adding bodies. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like Bencoto, they expanded with Monello. They added catering. It's like, okay, I could see how you're you're making more money. And you do have to make adjustments. I, I, I totally agree. Right. And, you yeah. know, and Cafe Chloe's ownership is making adjustments by doing a new project, you know, but RIP Cafe Chloe, one of the best restaurants for the last decade and a half in San Diego. So sad. Okay, um, moving on, we do have some positive news and more openings. Young yeah. Hickory. So Young Hickory is now open in the East Village in that very cool Idea One building. That's at 13th and F. They, like Nomad Donuts, also have a North Park location. So they're doing coffee, beer, breakfast, lunch sandwiches. I went last week. It's a very cool space. Saw people having meetings, working on their laptop. There isn't a ton of, ton of seating, but I like sitting by that um, bar overlooking the sidewalk and getting that. East Village breeze. <laughs> yeah. Of a nice, uh, nice uh, dog urine. <laughs> <laughs> Freshly hosed down. Like, that's like when I miss New York, I go sit and like smell the East Village air. <laughs> but is it looking on F Street? It's, it's looking on F. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, that's a busy street, too. Yeah, what is it? I think it's Park. No, it's overlooking 13th, sorry. Oh, 13th. Overlooking 13th. Yeah, Park EF on 13th. Yeah, and you know, like Lola Tacos is um, just adjacent to there. That is under construction right now, TBD when it's opening, but it looks like it's going to be really beautiful. So I think once that activates... That opens, it'll activate that whole stretch. Well, and I just got the press release today that giant new building across the street from Petco Park, like directly across yeah. the street, is now open for Ooh. whatever, wow. like 347 apartments or something. Like it's Good. gigantic. Is it and that's the firehouse down below it? No, it's all, oh, like on the backside of Petco Park, mm-hmm. like by where okay. oh, that, that Asian wing Lolita's place was. Yeah, by Lolita's kind of, yeah. kind of directly across from that. And I mean, if you haven't been down there lately, you walk out and it's just, you Massive. look up and it's like, whoa, that thing is huge. I yeah. guess it's open now, 347 luxury units. I know. Well, it, Those it, people need to go have Young Hickory coffee. And <laughs> where Young Hickory, Young Hickory is a really cool spot. They, they did really well for five years in North Park. And this idea one space is pretty cool. I mean, it's a real mixed use space. A lot of places say they're mixed use in San Diego, but they're, they're not <laughs> actually, you know, they've got like 295 studio, one bedroom, two bedroom apartments. 
apartments. They've got a guy on on site that will fix your bike. They've got a live-in barber. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. There's yeah. some artists that and, have spaces on the that, bottom. And that middle space that you're talking about going hang out and catching that dog shit breeze. Um, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> that, um, you know, that space is open to the public, which is really rare, too. It really is. I mean, it's a nice 13,000 square foot place over in East Village where you can go hang out, get some coffee, anybody. You don't have to live there. They're going to have TED Talks, concerts, everything else. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. We had a party there. Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my gosh. STK is finally, finally. Open. A lot I of feel downtown like news. We are, yeah, a lot of downtown news. I feel like this has been like percolating for a long, long time. So the 8,000 square foot STK is now open downtown in the Andaz Hotel. And if you don't know, it's a chain. They're in Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, Vegas. They're across the pond in London, Ibiza. And it's a clubby steakhouse. That uh-huh. is their thing. If you go on their website, you just see blondes and with bottle service, like dancing around and eating steak. You sound so excited It's a regular Tuesday. <laughs> I know. Just a Can you hear the excitement at, at, in my voice? There's a Wilkins house, you know, <laughs> know just yeah. bring over the blondes. Let's get the booze out. <laughs> oh, she didn't bring a flare. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's weird how long it took this place to open. I know. I mean, this is sh- executive chef David Burke, right? I mean, David Burke, you, top chef oh, masters, goodness. you know, he's worked with everybody, Balud, a, a bunch of different people. Huh. He's a really well, well-known chef. Granted, he has 400,000 things going on. It'll probably be here from March 1st and March 8th or something <laughs> like that, you know I mean, you know, but but he has really good menus, and if that staff can execute it well, it should be pretty good food. It's always about whether or not they can execute well if they're not on you know site, because you have to have a really yeah. good chef de cuisine. You've got to have that staff really dialed in, you know. And if you're not overseeing your restaurant, as you know, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, it'll go it'll go downhill pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, you have to have quality control and trust that they're going to do what you want and make sure that you teach them your palate. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cheesecake factory model. Every good chef I know yeah, idolizes cheesecake factory because they're like, how the hell do they have that good of quality control? You know, even though yeah. it's not great quality, but at least it's it's good. You know, yeah. I mean, and it's the same. It's like Starbucks. It's the, it's the same. same whether you're in Milwaukee or Vegas or San Diego. It tastes the same. Exactly, yeah. and it's not coming directly out of the freezer. I was going to say it's not a bag. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, and we have a brewery closing. Yeah, so Ch- this is courtesy of David Martin, who gives me all my beer news. Um, Chekalek <laughs> Brewing is closing in September. It's been around for six years in San Diego, and they're closing their Ramona location at the end of this month, July. And their North Park Beer Garden um, is going to stay open until September 2nd. And there are rumblings about what's going to happen with that brewery because in May, the owners, a husband and wife couple, said they're going to move from San Diego to Denver. Uh-huh. And it just... It's, it's not a it's, common it's migration that is pattern a com- that is a really common sister city I don't get it's it it's kind of San Diego way, lifestyle but cheaper I maybe I was, I, that's the sense I get I don't know I'm not a Denver I don't know. person Denver's so boring to me <laughs> I, I, dude I hear you there's no ocean. No. Sure. Right? Yeah, and it's hot as shit. I know. <laughs> so hot. Well, you know, honestly, well, why Christian Graves, been, not, not to harp on this issue, but I mean, Christian Graves looked at, oh, he was a good chef down at JSEX for a long time, you know, and he looked at opening up his own place in here. And because of the tip credit, is they didn't have a tip credit, it didn't work out. The numbers simply did not compute. He couldn't get the funding. He's like, well, I'm going to move out to Denver because they do have a tip credit, which means for you, those of you listening at home, if somebody makes tips as a restaurant server, they count them into their wages, you know, and they pay them less hourly because, you know, hopefully you're making $20 an hour, $30 an hour mm-hmm. making tips, hopefully. Um, but anyways, so, so I mean, that's another chef to, to go and to I Denver. I think that D-Bar chef, yeah. he also yeah. left for Denver. Keegan. Yeah. Yes. Well, he's from, he's from, oh, he's from there. So yeah, he had one there, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's like, tried San Diego, amazing. and he's like, oh, no. 
Okay, so this is great news. Yeah, well, one door closes, <laughs> well, another one opens because the cones one. are opening something giant. Yes, it's going to be a 25,000 square foot brewery across two acres in La Mesa. So this is Draft Republic from Cone Restaurant Group. They're taking over the former um, spot that Depot Springs, which never actually opened, it tried to open, but mm-hmm. it never worked out. And so David Cohn bought the space for $1.8 million, and then there's going to be more cost to actually build it out. And it's going to be opening, apparently, fall 2019, um, and they're going to, at this location, actually be a little more focused on the food than the beer. And there's also going to be a beer garden, bocce ball, weddings, events. It reminds me a lot of Stone, Liberty mm-hmm. Station. You left out the best part of that story. What? What was that? There is a $500,000, 18-hole miniature golf course going to be on there. Okay. Wait, what? I know what Troy yeah! Wait, wait, wait. 18-hole <laughs> miniature golf course on this brewery site that they are building. $500,000 they're putting into this. Wait, so you is can, it an existing one that they bought that's there? I bo- No, I believe it? they're building this thing out. Mini golf? Mini golf. You're going to drink your beer. Your craft beer, and then you're going to say, "Well, it's good to drink beer during mini golf because if you've ever gone mini golf, I have kids, so I know I've been mini golf again. Holy shit, you wait around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're like, can you tell your kid to get it in the hole? That's 19 shots. I'm counting. Let's go. You know, I mean, so so it really is a waiting game. So if you have a beer, it makes it much more palatable as, as an exercise. Yeah. Now I'm in my head. I'm trying to picture where this is. Draft Republic will take over the former Depot Springs space. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Thousands square feet. Depot Springs. Um, I will I get a tear. Yeah, right. Just a <laughs> wow. bistro. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I should remind you guys that's it for Hot Plates, but we will link to all of this stuff at SanDiegoMagazine.com. Archana takes notes as we're talking and keeps track of everything, and then she puts up a blog post and links to all of this stuff, so don't feel like you have to remember it. Um, A.K.A. Archana does all the work. Not true. Yes. Pretty, no, it, it I do a lot, but not true. David not also true. does some. And <laughs> you she, and I do very little. And she won our fantasy <laughs> restaurant draft of the 100th Oh, episode. yes, I did. I knew oh, am I, I still was bitter about win. that? I, think I didn't bring even bring it up. up. I didn't even bring it up. I bring it up in my sleep. I mean, come on. I just think about it. I replay that moment in my head. Um, Okay, you guys are listening to the Happy Half Hour uh, from San Diego Magazine. I'm supposed to remind you guys now to give us ratings and reviews. If you enjoy getting all of this news and this, you know, light witty banter, please give us a review or click the five star thing on wherever you get this podcast because it does help us. Um, And also, I'm supposed to promote the next week's show, which makes sense. I don't know why we never thought to do that (laughs) earlier. But um, we do have Sam the Cooking Guy coming on as our guest next week. So... There's nice. A little teaser. Uh, and we're moving on to our special guest for this week. We're so thrilled to have you. Thank you so much. You've already been chatting with us a little bit, but we have Claudette Zapeta Wilkins, the executive chef and partner of El Hardin in Liberty Station. I'm going to read you her resume. It's very impressive. You were the former chef de cuisine at Bracero, a staff and citywide favorite, and also a former contestant on both Top Chef and Top Chef Mexico. You were recently featured, if you guys saw the June issue, Archana did that great feature about chefs entertaining at home with some recipes, and you you were nice and welcomed us, um, let us take your picture and stuff for that. And then there's also some uh, upcoming feature about you in our August issue. So welcome and thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, this restaurant, which we've been waiting for for a long time, congratulations, Claudette. I know that you've been waiting for this for a long time. What the fuck took you so long? (laughs) Well, try opening a fucking restaurant in a (laughs) 100-year-old building. (laughs) That's what took so long. We were talking about this restaurant for a long time, and Claudette, obviously, you know, with her experience on Top Chef Mexico, it really informed a lot of this restaurant, right? Yeah. Tell us about that. Like, I mean, they digging through, like, some of the... um, in your travels, finding some of the, you know, abuelitas and, you know, kind of the guardians of Mexican recipes that you're kind of bringing into the restaurant. Yeah, I was presented the project September 2016, right before I left to Top Chef Mexico um, by Johan of Rise and Shine. 
And he said he wanted to open a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant in Liberty Station. I said, okay, that sounds cool. But it's like, in my head, I'm going, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, I had screened his email before. It took Rafa from Bracero to, like, make the first introduction because mm-hmm. I never responded to his email. Um, and I said, let me, you know, let me sit on it for nine weeks while I go into Mexico Top Chef, and then I'll come back. And on, in December, I messaged him because he wanted uh, Bahamed. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, hmm. Well, I'll think about it. Mm-hmm. And then in December, I emailed him. I said, we need to do, we need to go bigger. Bahamas, not my generation. That's Javier's. That's Miguel Angel. I said, let's do regional. And I had talked to him about the women I met at the, during the filming. And he bought it and he liked it. And so I spent the next year and a half traveling through Mexico, all the regions, and meeting the cocineras tradicionales and finding the ingredients. And Can you say that slower for the gringo audience? <laughs> cocineras tradicionales. Which is? Uh, traditional cooks. Okay. Of, so they're basically okay. the ambassadors. Every state, uh, the Mexican government basically started a grant program where every state has their ambassadors of their cuisine. Hmm. So they are the keepers of the Pandora's box of the history throughout the hundreds and hundreds of years of the cuisine from that state. And because it's so regional and it's very, like, you know, terroir-driven microclimates, everything changes within the seven regions. Um, they are really the secret keepers. And if they don't have daughters, the recipes oh. die. Because the men leave. And they don't cook and for their families. they don't follow them yeah. up. Yeah. So I met women that it was the last generation of women in that family. Wow. Yeah. Were so they I, freaking out? I mean, what, what's the plan? What do they no, do? Nothing. No. It just, it's, that's it's just, just it is. It's the reality. Yeah. It's uh, men immigrate to different countries, uh, different states. They go to Mexico City. You know, you find a lot of Mexico City is one of my favorite cities because you can really eat the cuisine of every single part of Mexico because everybody goes there because it's such a you know, high economic driven area that they're like, okay, we can make it there if we can't go to the United States or some of them go to South America, but it's no better. Um, and, you know, it's sad, but it happens. It happens a lot more often than we think. And we forget that it's a third world country and there's, I've been, I've been in uh, like homes, dirt floors, eating on the floor with no lights, no gas and been like presented the best meals of my life. And they were open about sharing the ingredients and the, yeah. the processes and how they do it and the recipes and all that stuff. Yeah, from food to textiles to, you know, artists and crafts. Wow. Uh, I've met some really amazing women in Mexico. So it's really that come to fruition with the restaurant. So in that, when you're talking about eating on the um, dirt floor, you know, having that, ma- that amazing meal, would that meal translate into the restaurant? Throughout the year, yeah. So I have uh, banked so many recipes. It's like, how do you write a, mes- a menu that could be 100 things? Mm-hmm. So it's edit, edit, read, work, and then hope that Point Loma gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, I've already done two menu edits in three weeks. You know, and I'll do one more before it kind of let the dust settle. Uh, but, I, you know, I have a lot of pushback of people not getting it. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a dance between being a chef and being a business owner where I kind of have to bend a little bit on some things because I need to make money, mm-hmm. um, but without compromising flavor. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Is it harder? Do you think you think it's harder in, in San Diego because, you know, we have such a, an exposure to Mexican food, but we don't really have an exposure to like real Mexican food. Like we grew up with like, you know, three-year-old tacos in a bag and guacamole and, and cotica cheese and, and you know, yeah. everything else. We have a very limited vocabulary almost when it comes to Mexican food. I imagine you found a wide array of recipes from deep down in Mexico that maybe San Diego's not so prepared for because we think three-year-old tacos or we think not not three-year-old tacos we're a little more advanced than that but we have a limited vocabulary yeah i mean and and i have taquitos on the menu which are rolled tacos but they're Mm -hmm. you know red wine braised short rib tacos that are based off of the 
the translation of a basic, you know, beef bourguignon, but it's in a taco, in a taquito. Mm. And then you have the potato tacos that are celery root, caramelized onions, caramelized garlic, you know. So I can chef it up, but it still give you taquitos at the end yeah. of the day. It still has sour cream. But my cotija is... Oops. My cotija is, you know, nine, ten months aged from the from denomination. So it's from Michoacan, Cotija Michoacan. Mm-hmm. And I buy 30 pounds at a time of cheese. Mm-hmm. So I don't buy cotija that's here. It's not domestic. It's all being imported. So Is it a pain in the ass to import that stuff? No, because it's not. It doesn't have any weight. It doesn't have, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, even if it's unpasteurized, there's nothing alive in it. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, what are some of the feedback? What has some of the harder feedback been? Not to go into the negative, but I mean, you know, obviously you're bringing some of these really authentic, really cool, you know, um, Mexican recipes and people are just like, I don't get it. Or they're just not ordering it or. Uh, it's a little both. I don't get it. Um, this this isn't enough or this portion's not this or, you know, they're, everything wants rice and beans. So we get a lot of sides of rice and beans. Oh, I didn't <laughs> think about the portion sizes. Right. Mm-hmm. If you were French, they wouldn't they wouldn't argue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know we, we've talked to Javier Placencia about this, but what about the price point? Is that tricky to figure that out? Because it's another yeah. thing with Mexican food here. People are used to it being cheap. Yes. So yeah. talk about that. Have you had pushback on price? Or I have. I have. Uh, and it's it's one of those things where you, uh, I, I pay good wages to cooks and I pay, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you, you have a lot the of the best staff. ingredients. I import the best ingredients and people think that it's cheaper because I go to Mexico. And you're like, no, the amount of work that goes into getting these ingredients here. I had to wake up at five in the morning and go check in at the Ido Mexico hangar in TJ mm-hmm. and collect the things. Like it's so much work that goes into it. No, I mean my all my colleagues think I'm insane for doing it, but that's the difference between Mexican food in Mexico and Mexican food here. It's ingri- mm-hmm. the ingredients just aren't the same. The- I I really hope that I mean the people that come down there kind of come around a little bit because this has been my really big hang up with San Diego. As much as we claim to love Mexican food, when somebody like a really good chef like yourself and you put in so many years and you've been on Top Chef. Hi, Sam, the cooking guy. Um, you've been on Top Chef and you you you've traveled through Mexico. You've worked with some of the amazing chefs. You put in your hours. This is not somebody's cousin who's 15 years old. This is his first job. You know, making Mexican food and nothing against the 15 year old cousin. Good for him. He doesn't have the skill set that you have, and we, we need to appreciate that and pay more for Mexican food. You know. Yeah, I just um, it's one of those things where you kind of it's a crapshoot. You have to hope that people get it eventually mm-hmm. and just stick to your guns. And you know, Kevin's a great mentor, and I'm always like just sound bites that I get from him are worth gold. Yeah. You know, and he's just, I'm like, what about this? And what about that? He's like, just put your fucking head down and work. <laughs> That's it. Ignore Yelp. He says, he says it so humbly, you know, oh, TK and Danielle told me, that, you know, when I asked him about Yelp and they said, wow. fuck them. I was like, oh yeah, well, I don't have Thomas Keller calling me <laughs> and telling me, fuck the Yelpers, but I get it. She's talking about Gavin Kaysen, who she oh. worked with at El Biscocho, right? I was his pastry chef oh, and he's now my mentor, mm-hmm. one of my oldest friends in wow. this industry and he's still, He's constantly my lifeline. And he's in Minnesota. Where is he? Minnesota. 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 Yeah. 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 Before we opened in Bracero, I did two weeks stage over there. Wow. That's Spoon yeah. and Stable? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah. I bet a lot of people listening remember him here. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. He's the golden boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is, I mean, so obviously small. one of the best chefs in, in, in America. He's, he's led our uh, Bocuse d'Or. I never, never know how to say that. Um, <laughs> team for America, which is the biggest like international cooking competition over in France. Um, I mean, but he's been... He's really been supportive. I've seen the tweets from him, too. And he's yeah. just like, this chick kicks ass. Please go to her restaurant. Tell me about the garden. That's what I want to know. Because it's El Jardin, but you have your own garden. And you're kind of like a, um, a seed nerd. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a seed nerd. I am all of a sudden a fucking hippie. I, <laughs> I talk to my plants. Uh, you know, <laughs> yesterday I told my cooks, I said, you know, plants are like 
people. If they don't, <laughs> if they don't get touched and loved, they die. You know what I mean? My, my cook's like, that's the saddest thing I think I've ever heard. And I was like, well, you know, like when you send your grandma to a home or your dog to a ranch, they don't come back. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, that's, but I will, that's what my farmer, like the collaboration I have with Urban Plantations and the restaurant is you need to make sure that if the fruit is ready or the vegetables ready, you need to pluck it or else the plant thinks that it isn't needed anymore and it dies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. So I had to give like the human connection to my cooks. Uh, but yeah, I walk around and, you know, touch dirt. I poke it to make sure that it's the water, the soil is wet three mm-hmm. feet, three inches down and I've gotten really nerdy with it. And you're getting to uh, you got some of like Dan Barber, obviously, um, you know, with his um, uh, Stonehill. Row seven. Yeah. So row seven is his um, basically his heirloom or like ancient seed line, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Dan Barber is one of the best chefs in in America. And you've got some of his seeds. I got all of them. Yeah, I got all of them. I got his Koji Koji Nut, I think is the squash name. Koji Nut, I'm probably messing it up. Um, And then he's got three experimentals. I have a butternut squash that's about four inches big. It's super, super flavorful, but it never grows like a dwarf Mm -hmm. butternut. Um, I have two of his cucumbers and I have two of his beans. Uh, I... Anything that guy will do, I'll do. I'll do you have follow. a security guard for your garden? It sounds like you need to guard that. <laughs> no, but I did, have a, I did have two <laughs> occasions on Saturday where two different homeless men uh, were in there. And it's one of those things where I, I told myself, like, don't kick him out. He's going to shit in the box. <laughs> so you just have to, like, kind of finesse it. We're like, hey, if you want a vegetable, come ask us. <laughs> just don't make him angry. <laughs> I do have cameras in the garden. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, those are like heirloom seeds. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are very sacred things. Yeah. Fort Knox of fruit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so interesting. Okay, we do have a couple of reader questions from Instagram. Uh, two things. They want to know what your most unexpected challenge was when you opened your restaurant, and they want to know what it was like to work with Javier Placencia. Most unexpected challenge. Uh, doing a build in a hundred-year-old building, we went to, so we have a really massive French suite, Heston, very impressive probably half of the budget of the restaurant uh, in the middle of our kitchen. When we went to go do the plumbing for it, you're supposed to just go, you know, a foot below, just break concrete. Well, apparently there was another sidewalk because it was expanded in the 70s and they left the sidewalk there. So we had to go actually 10 feet. Oh my! And oh. we did caissons and that's the delays were. What is that a building. Heston? I don't know what that Heston is. Heston suite. It's like a French kitchen suite where okay. all of the cooks are around it instead oh. of being a line. Interesting. Um, but the hurdles Lazy Susan we had. Chefs. <laughs> that exactly. sounds like a challenge. But the challenges came with construction, with an old, old building. We should remind everybody that El Hardin is in Liberty Station yeah. at the end, kind of by the Sailho Golf Course and Fireside the anchor, yeah. and the little kid haircut place. That's right. That's the that's things that you don't think about. You know, is opening a restaurant. You're like, okay, well, this is going to be simple. We're going to make this one foot cut down, down deep. You're like, there's a what? There's a <laughs> sidewalk? And that'll cost you, I don't, I don't know how much money, but it'll cost you a lot more money and time and everything else. Oh, yeah. They want the grease trap right next to the host stand. And I said, absolutely not. So it was a three-month delay to get engineering to put it in the garden and where I could plant mint and other things that won't smell like crap. Yeah. Uh, and then reroute it, give it a drop. And I have I did the project managing for the restaurant construction for the last 
six months of the life of the construction. So I have an, a crazy amount of useless construction knowledge now. <laughs> there and you she, go. And she still has color in her hair, by the way. <laughs> well, it's purple. It's so. purple. Yeah. It, 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 this doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then what about what it was like to work with Javier Placencia? You were what? You were chef de cuisine at Bracero? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, working for Javier, I think I put it close to working for the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> <laughs> he is the most brilliant, most infuriating man I've ever worked for, and I, I owe him so much because between. I think, you know, I spoke to this, you know, a while back, but between Gavin's very disciplined background that I learned and Javier's very kind of just throw it up in the wind and it comes out delicious, uh, it's a good balance to have. And Javier taught me how to let go. Javier taught me, of like, just let the ingredients do what they do. Uh, and that's something that, you know, as on, you know, the more disciplined side, you're always like, everything has to be very precise and you're clean and you're pressed and this. And Javier's kind of like, eh, it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, Mora. And then he'd make a disaster of my station and then disappear. I called him the ninja because he would just show up, destroy the kitchen, and then he's gone. Did he pop into El Hardin in the last couple of days? Because we just recorded with him and we asked him if he had been to the restaurant. He goes, no, but I'm going to I'm going to go pop in. And we were all like, we should. (laughs) No, but his mother came, his mother Uh and his daughters came and I got the seal of approval from his mom and she is a very tough cookie. So I feel but yeah, we have been texting. He will be in. uh, He was supposed to be here to he said he wanted to be there for the R&D. And I started laughing. I said, absolutely not. (laughs) 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 But uh, he will be in. He's one of my favorites. I think uh, as a person and as a restaurateur and as a, a role model, he has so much to give uh, any young cook. So, uh, yeah, he's one of my favorite people on this planet. He is. I mean, he's kind of like the wind. You know, sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. I've known him for a long time now, too. And it's like, hey, Javier, meet you there at three. He's like, yeah, mas o menos. Never schedule him on never. the actual time that you need him. It's called placentia time. <laughs> we actually have a term for it. <laughs> Um, what is your, uh, g- give us just one, one dish before before we l- let you go. Um, one dish that's really been a standout that you really love that has been well received. Kind of give us a, a sense of the the um, what you're cooking. Oh, right. Well, the pozole rojo is my aunt's recipe that is, is literally a generation. My aunt raised six kids by herself in Mexico and Guadalajara off the back of pozole. Put them all through the university, and five years ago they retired her. So I went and I learned exactly like her secrets because in pozole you could read a recipe and kind of get close Mm -hmm. Uh, but that one is the closest to being like legitimately basically in our dna Uh, was started in the 70s and she never let it go until her kids all obviously have their own kids now and they said they my cousin bought the restaurant off of her and bought her a condo gave her a car gave her a credit card and said you're done so you know the pozole i think will always be there Wow. That's where you started cooking with her, don't you? Yeah. You get sent down to Guadalajara yeah. when you're, you're like... Oh, since I was in a car chair. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I lived I lived with my aunt, you know, half of my life, my childhood yeah. was with her. Nice. So cool. Well, thank you so much for giving us some time today. I know the restaurant opened or is open today, and I know it's hard for chefs to get away. So we really appreciate your time. You guys go try El Hardin. We've been talking with Claudette Zepeda-Wilkins, the executive chef and partner. Hang around. We're almost done. We always end with our own personal recommendations of what we've been eating and drinking lately. We're going to skip hot topics because we went over, but this was more interesting. But yeah. we were going to talk <laughs> about that episode. waitress that like body checked somebody who like grabbed her ass or that something. That was awesome. Oh, and was then the vegans, apparently <laughs> vegans in New York are, are, are throwing blood on the butcher shops and, and cutting kind of violent in there. 
reaction. In Paris, actually. In Paris, yeah. sorry. Uh-huh. But I will link to those stories so you can read them because they're interesting. They are. Yes, very, and Archana works hard to find those hot topics. Um, <laughs> so fun. two people, 50 bucks is you what we like to call it. Where would you recommend somebody go that's not your restaurant? Uh, I like Punjabi Tandoor in Miramar. Mm. It's okay. my favorite Indian in San Diego. Okay. And the sassy daughter that's the cashier always <laughs> gives me really, really like mean stares. <laughs> <laughs> that means but it tastes some, better. But maybe it's like, and I've never wanted to make someone happy more in my <laughs> life where I'm just like, hi, <laughs> hi, take my money. Like, and she I hates me. I brought you me. Dan Barber's squash. <laughs> she fucking hates me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, like how do I make her like, like me? <laughs> and she's probably just pissed off of being at her parents' yeah, restaurant right. for her entire life. And I'm like, I get it, but be nice <laughs> to me. And, and aside from ordering her affection, what do you order there? Everything. everything. You get the one of everything. Yeah, they have like their mm. lunch special where they have all of their like buffet items type mm. thing. It's delicious. So good. Nice. Yeah. Okay, great. We will link to this. You guys remember, you don't have to remember all this stuff. We will put up links at sandingomagazine.com. Troy, how about you? Where have you been? Um, oh, uh, for um, next month's review, we're going to be doing Park Bistro in Hillcrest, which is in the mm-hmm. old Croce's spot. I did find a few dishes that were really good, and you can easily go on that patio, which is a really nice shaded patio right there um, across from St. Paul, Paul's Cathedral, you know, a block from Balboa Park. Shares a wall with Hane Sushi, Shares my a fave. wall with Hane, which is Hane is always hard to pass up, but occasionally you should pass up Hane and go go to park they have actually their french onion soup was perfect it was so simple and it was so well done i mean just i it was at the flavors it wasn't there wasn't fancy it wasn't spicy it didn't have too much um you know like uh mirepoix and it was just perfectly good you know and then even though it's a french restaurant they are in san diego and i have to say their seared ahi was really really good (laughs) i got a question about my restaurant and if i had sushi and i was like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I just did one of those like dog nods where you just kind of go sideways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, not Peruvian. Um, yeah, so I would say go go to Park Bistro. I mean, and that, but for fifty bucks, you're probably gonna eat French onion soup, right? And maybe a glass of wine. You're gonna get French onion soup. You're gonna get that seared ahi because it is an appetizer, and the lobster arancini. Lobster arancini is really good. They start with a risotto base. Not everybody does that, um, so it makes it really creamy on the inside. It was one of the better lobster arancinis that I've had, and arancinis are really easy to. Up. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, to be honest with you, I mean, you, you can over fry them, you can make them, you kind of like you know, dry it out, whatever. It was really well done. Awesome. How about you, Archie? Do you have two people 50 bucks? Um, we were talking about Jane's earlier. I went there on Friday night. Uh, I love the Impossible Burger. Okay. <laughs> oh! <laughs> so, what I was going to say is. <gasps> I think you should get the eggplant tikka masala, and I wish I did on Friday because that's what I always get. But I thought, I'm full vegetarian now, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to give the Impossible Burger another try because when I had it last, we were like in an event, and it wasn't like a real setting. I don't like that Impossible Burger. <laughs> neither do I. It's and nothing on Jane. Neither do I. I think it's so weird. No, I, no. Nope. I tried it in San Francisco, and I was like, eh, I could pass. I think it's weird, <laughs> and you know, it's nothing against Jane's because I love Jane's, and I've had many a great meal there. It's it's the texture. It's weird, and I think because I have eaten meat and enjoyed it, meat just tastes better. So I'd rather have something else that's vegetarian. It actually has more of a texture of a turkey burger and like a the vibe of a turkey burger. I don't get it. I just some people go nuts for it. Like David, you love it, right? It smells if it's cooked the 
medium rare it's late it's when it's well done that it's terrible david yeah. saying it has to be medium rare and it has to be actually bloody and bleeding and if you're Otherwise, not sure, if you're not familiar with the impossible burger it is a 250 million dollar burger that's been invested by um invested in by bill gates mm-hmm. you know all plant-based completely it actually bleeds because they found heme which is in blood it's also in plants and they're you know, what, i just uh, think if you want to eat plants eat plants don't that's try to how eat I eat cheeseburger that's like plant. this whole like trying to make it like meat for vegetarians no. as someone who has eaten mostly vegetarian whole life just give me vegetables just give mm-hmm. me something like that's actually a plant and real like I'd rather eat that so my suggestion is to eat the eggplant tikka masala my friends got the special which was the mussels if you prefer something fishy um, that patio is like one of my favorites I haven't been to the El Hardin patio so I can't say but I know that Jane's patio is the that's best beautiful. in the summertime when it's warm outside I mean you can't oh, get a more lovely place to perfect. sit and eat it's just lovely yep. uh, okay you guys that's it this has been Standing in Magazine's Happy Half Hour we'll be back next week with Sam the Cooking Guy thanks again to our special guest Claudette Zapata-Wilkins go try El Hardin see ya you.